This is mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. I think a lot of people get into this space just to make money. And if you do that, there's a chance that you can make some money. There's a bigger chance that you're not going to make money. I don't own that many NFTs, but the ones I own are the ones that I like because I would have them even if I didn't want to sell them. And I'm probably not going to sell them. So I think that that's kind of the next phase is people gaining utility from these NFTs and being able to attach yourself to a brand that becomes part of your self-identity. And that's all about community and human connection. Raising awareness around one brand can be enough of a challenge for most marketers. But what about entirely new territory? Our guest today is Tyrone Miller, the former head of media for the investment firm Sfermion, which focuses on the largely uncharted world of NFTs. Tyrone has extensive background in marketing and PR, including stints at major gaming companies like EA and Ubisoft. Tune in to hear him discuss the potential of this growing NFT market and how his gaming industry experience has really influenced his storytelling skills that he uses to connect with clients even today. Brightspot Content Management System enables marketers to launch in just 100 days. It efficiently manages marketing campaigns on mobile apps or updates investors on your corporate site, handling it all seamlessly. With over 100 plus different content types and templates, marketers can deliver a customized, relevant experience to your audience. Additionally, integrate your current marketing automations platform and SEO recommendations directly from your Brightspot content management system, simplifying tool management. Discover more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends. All right, so let's start at the top, Tyrone, and I wanna you know understand for those who aren't sure of the brand Sephermion and you and your background, for our audience, can you describe the company and, and what you do there? So Sofermion is an investment firm that's focused solely on the NFT ecosystem. And by that, I mean, you know, there's a lot of kind of crypto funds. We're basically a VC firm. There's a lot of crypto funds out there, but Sofermion is focusing just on NFTs within that ecosystem. And we can talk about how NFTs and crypto differ. So our goal is to accelerate the emergence of the metaverse, which we believe is going to be open and decentralized. You know, if you don't know what that means, you kind of look at Facebook. Facebook is the opposite of that. They're closed and they're centralized. You need permission to do stuff on their platform and you actually don't own anything that's on their platform. The way we see it is going to be the opposite of that. And that goes along with the ethos of blockchain technology. It's permissionless. No one actually owns it. So we are deploying capital to the founders and the companies that are basically building the infrastructure that are going to allow the metaverse to exist. And, you know, within the metaverse, 
NFTs are actually the building blocks that will you know, allow the metaverse to actually function. We hope to capitalize kind of on this flux of innovation that's going into the space right now. It is super, super, super early. I think it's another thing that people don't understand how early we are. If it were a baseball game, it's the first inning, and we are about to you know, throw the first pitch. First pitch hasn't even been thrown yet. As far as I know, we're the only ones, or at least one of the first ones, who are only focused on NFTs, which makes us unique. About uh, last year, in November of last year, we did an announcement where we announced a $100 million fund. It was actually our, our second fund, but this is the first one that we really publicized, and it's much bigger than the first one. And you know, had some top-tier investors, including you know, the Winklevoss twins, Mark Andreessen, Chris Dixon, Alan Howard, people who are already heavily invested in both crypto and the NFT space. So my role, I am the head of media. So I basically oversee all external communications. My background is primarily in public relations, and that's a bulk of what I do. So that's you know press announcements, press releases, but also uh, managing some aspects of the social media, specifically LinkedIn, the company website, which didn't exist before I started working there, needed our LinkedIn channels. And then also kind of figuring out the key messaging, the company descriptions, executive bios, you know, typical marketing activities. I'm always learning. So I'm monitoring the news and I'm identifying opportunities that we can either jump on as far as doing media outreach or kind of include in our goals as far as really positioning Sofermian as a top brand within the investment space in an effort to attract more investors and then also attract NFT-focused companies who are looking for capital. Wow. You, over the course of your career, have been kind of been at these, inter- these big intersections of technology and how consumers and users and brands have responded, which has put you in a really cool position now working at the investment firm. Talk us through kind of that, this idea that, you know, you talked about history repeating itself and the perspective that you have now based on what you've been, what you've gone through. And I'd love to hear that context. Yeah, sure. My first job in the PR space was shortly after college. I actually worked for a PR agency. I started doing B2B tech, kind of transitioned into consumer tech. I did both. At that time, I really didn't know what I was doing, but it was the kind of turn of the century timeframe. So this was the the infamous dot-com era in San Francisco. You know, I'm in San Francisco now, lived in San Francisco most of my life. It was an exciting time to be alive. It's hard to describe, but the amount of excitement and young people doing these amazing things, but really everyone still trying to figure out what was going on. And, you know, before anything happened, it was all over. You know, I was only making 35K a year, but I was eating steak and lobster every night because there was a launch party (laughs) almost every other night, you know, living through it. I see why the bubble burst because the amount of money people were throwing out there was, was absolutely ridiculous. But what's interesting is you look at that time and you look at all the big companies at that time who were supposed to be these moguls who are going to take us into this new internet phase like Webvan and pets.com. They actually ended up becoming the, the biggest failures. And then other companies like Amazon, who only sold books, and Google, who was only a search engine, they were actually the companies that ended up being 
kind of the big moguls and the, and the big companies within the space. So I think the exact same thing is going to happen in the NFT space. So it's, it's really hard to kind of pick who the winners are now because it's just too early. I actually, it's a funny story. I haven't really told anyone this story because it's a little bit embarrassing. We were the first agency of record for Google when they had first came out. And this is, you know, when Google's just a search engine, you'd go to their page. It's what you see now. Wow. And they didn't do anything else. They didn't even do ads. And nobody knew who they were. <laughs> so they hired us and we went into our first meeting to, to speak to our contact there, who I believe was the VP of marketing. And Sergey Brin, one of the founders, walked in and she introduced him. And he just looked at us and he said, I want to be on The Tonight Show. And then he turned around and he walked out the door. <laughs> Everyone in the room, we kind of looked at each other and we just started laughing, like, right? Like, who the, this, this guy think he is? And, you know, little did we know that, you know, they were planning world domination, but they didn't really tell us that because I don't think they understood the whole concept of storytelling. Back then, I think a lot of people thought PR was like an ad buy. You can just go in and I can call up my buddy and mm -hmm. have him, you know, write a story. And we actually could not get any press for them at all. And then within six months, they fired us. I think maybe we got two stories wow. for them. It was just search. It wasn't sexy. You know, back then, everything was about wow. Alta Vista and Yahoo and AOL, these portals where you mm -hmm. can do all these different things. And ironically, you know, none of those companies are really, I mean, Alta Vista isn't even around anymore. And Yahoo and AOL are kind of ancient companies that are making their money in other spaces. So huge lesson learning for me as far as knowing what, what to work with and also the importance of storytelling. And I mean, looking back, I, don't, I really don't think how, what we could have done any differently except go in and force them to give us the bigger picture so we had the tools that we would need to work with. Wow, that's so interesting. And what a rare moment in time, right, to be at the, you know, in a meeting with the then Google before they exploded into something maybe far bigger than they even imagined. But it's it's interesting to hear Sergey and I actually met him when I worked at Google and it's interesting to hear his determination, right? And his kind of knowing that they were gonna go to go go to big places. Exactly. Even if the marketplace at the time wasn't ready for their offering, it was like, no, they knew they had something big. That's really cool. A lot of marketing leaders certainly come on this show. We talk to a lot of CMOs. MVPs of marketing, a lot of brands around NFTs and Web3. It seems like by and large, most of the leaders that I talk to are still kind of in this, you talk about the first inning, first pitch, it's like they're still buying their tickets to get into the game, you know, to watch, yeah. you know, and then decide if they're going to play or how they're going to play or what would you share with kind of marketing leaders across the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 around what you know of this space so far, what you're seeing what are some insights or just some maybe food nuggets, trails they can start to follow as they start to think about utility and think about these about use cases? What would you share with a room full of CMOs about the world that you know, you know, quite a bit about? I've been at Sufermian for a little over a year now. The more I learn, the more I realize is no one really knows what they're doing. We're very much in the kind of experimentation phase. And that's why it is kind of exciting. And, you know, you mentioned use cases. I actually think that that is the missing ingredient right now 
there aren't a lot of use cases that you can point to. And I think that that's why people are having kind of a hard time grasping exactly what NFTs are. And I think people put too much thought into how they work and not enough thought into what they can actually do. And I also think just the nature of NFTs, the onboarding process is super complicated. So in order to even just purchase the NFT, what you have to go through to create your wallet and get right. the crypto, it's just not user-friendly. When I was a student at Stanford, I was a double major in psychology and uh, communication. And this was at the late 90s. So it was a really cool time to be there because, again, you know, the internet was just starting. But a lot of what I studied was how humans interact with technology. And there was this concept that was brought up that I always think of, and it's called kind of push button technology. That notion is that in order for a new tech to be kind of assimilated into the mainstream, you have to push a button and NFTs are far, far, far away from that. So that being said, there eventually is going to be a time where you push a button and everything's going to work. Until that time comes, I think it's really just kind of getting in the space and learning and experimenting and seeing what works and what doesn't work. It's definitely not too late, but also, you know, if you look at what happened with social media, the brands that got in super early were the brands that really succeeded. So right now, I don't think the objective is really to like get in there and build this huge audience. It's really just kind of to learn, learn what it is, learn what works and what doesn't work and kind of fill your space around. So then when the technology does evolve and it does improve and it does turn more into kind of push button technology, you already have kind of these key learnings and you these best of breed practices that are gonna evolve as well. You have an extensive background specifically in PR and comms, you know, at some pretty big time gaming companies, right? Like EA, Electronic Arts, and uh, is it Ubisoft, Ubisoft? So I worked for EA Sports, Ubisoft, and then the third one is called THQ which is actually a company that went bankrupt. And then they more recently had a revival, but it's actually run out of a, a European company now. So out of your, your experience working with like EA Sports and, and Ubisoft, can you speak on the kind of overlap on what you've learned there, you know, and certainly what you maybe brought into the into your world now, working with the NFT investment side of things? Is there specific things you draw on from your time at EA and, and Ubisoft? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was hired... For- at Ubisoft, I was actually hired as a, a consumer media manager. So I worked mm. across all Ubisoft titles, but I only worked with consumer press. And this was at a time where not everyone was covering games, like games were for nerds. And I went there you know, right, right before the launch of the first Xbox. And I feel like that was kind of a big moment in gaming because it took what was a PC and made it more accessible. Again, like push button technology, because before you could had to have these super big PCs and you're on a keyboard and the games are super complex. So only so many people would play them. But, you know, with Xbox and specifically Halo, it completely changed the dynamic of gaming. A big part of my job was really going to these media outlets like USA Today and Time Magazine and getting them just to cover video games because they didn't cover video games because they they didn't see it as entertainment. They saw it as technology. 
So again, I feel like I was kind of lucky in that, you know, I came at a time where it was kind of an easy sell. Ah. Ubisoft specifically, you know, they were known for as a small French company, family owned. So they had like a lot of these kitty games. But right before I went, they had this game called Splinter Cell. And it was this beautiful, like stealth action video game. Oh, I know Splinter Cell. Yes. Great game. Yeah. And it was this new genre game. And it was kind of like we talk about use cases. I didn't have to do anything. I just give them the controller and, I, and they say, hey, play this. And they're like, wow, <laughs> you know, and they're just blown away because it, it's just the, you touch it for the first time and it's very accessible and it's engaging and it's fun. What I really learned, you know, in the gaming kind of the flip side of that, the gaming media is very formulaic and it was very straightforward. You would announce a game, you would do a preview, you would do a first hands on, you do a review. And to this day, that's still all they do. There's really not a lot of creativity in that. Me having to work across all these games and all these different outlets, I really learned the art of storytelling. I really learned that, you know, I would have to go in and take certain aspects of a game and sell it to a certain media outlet differently than I would sell it to another outlet. I, I think kind of the best example of this, I worked on this game called Brothers in Arms which was a game that was based on real events that happened during World War II. And at this time, Call of Duty was already out there as one of the biggest games in the world. But when Call of Duty first came out, it was, it was also a World War II game. The challenge there was, you know, how do you launch a new IP against the biggest game in the world? And, you know, one, one thing that we were able to do is really focus on the history of the game. I actually worked with a production team and we went to the History Channel and pitched them this story idea of, you know, what if we got all these World War II vets and had them tell our, their stories and then use the game engine and actually show people exactly what happened during some of these kind of famous battles. So it was a long process where, and we actually went out to Normandy and we went out to Normandy, we brought a bunch of press with us and we walked them through the beaches of Normandy and really gave them this unique experience that you can only gain by looking at this game. You know, after a year-long process, the History Channel actually green-lighted it and they did run it, which was very cool. So wow. I think that that was very beneficial for me is because even when I look at a B2B product, like everything has a story. It's really figuring out, well, what is your story? What makes you unique? And then also figuring out, well, what is the best media outlet or who is the best reporter to tell this story to the audience that we are trying to reach? On that note of just storytelling, I mean, what's your approach? I see how that's so valuable, of course, in the world that you're in now. I mean, early inning, like you said, still figuring out first pitch. There's a velocity of content out there around this space that you're in. So the messaging and the narrative that you're telling is it's, it's so important. But what's your approach to storytelling in this space that you're in now, this new space that there are a lot of eyeballs and ears on? There's a lot of uh, distortion too, a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of pressure. What's kind of been your approach to storytelling in this this NFT world? Yeah, you know, working for an investment firm is different. This is the first time I've worked for an for an investment firm, so I think one of the biggest challenges for me especially, is we don't have a product. This is the first time where I'm not actually pushing a product. We're really kind of looking to push the entire space forward. The founder is a guy named Andrew Steinwald, who 
He's been around the space, what they called in the space an OG forever, which is like three years, right? <laughs> in the space, because it hasn't been around a lot. But <laughs> exactly. he's like this old time veteran. He just turned 30. And <laughs> we really lean on him because he, he from a long time ago kind of said, this is the next big thing. This is going to be the next trillion dollar market. And he actually started a podcast and a blog called Zima Red, where he would talk to a lot of the different founders and creators who are building the space. And then on this blog, and also even more so on his podcast, he has these conversations about very candid conversations of just about like, what are you doing? What excites you? What are you learning? What mistakes did you make? Kind of similar to what you're doing with marketing trends. So he has just this whole catalog of creators who ended up being, you know, some of the top guys who are building in the space now. And he's still active in this space. And, you know, a big part of my job is, is working with him is with the content creation and kind of adding some of the different podcasts. But me just listening to the podcast, that's kind of how I learned about NFTs. When I first started, I really had no idea what they were talking about. So, you know, I'm always learning. And now I, you know, I have a pretty good grasp on things. But I would say that that's the other kind of big challenge within the NFT space is that it's changing so fast. Like every day it changes. Right. You have to be on Twitter. You have to be on Discord. You have to be engaging with these communities and everyone's learning. And our approach with marketing and Andrew takes the lead on this is he's really a voice for the this, this space, highlighting everything that's going right and really focusing on the people and the, and the companies who are making a difference and kind of pushing that out there. Mm. That has enabled him to bring in these great investors because people trust him and a lot of things he has predicted are, are coming true. So mm. a lot of this, as far as our strategy goes, it's really just focusing on the wins and something works, celebrating that and pushing it out there. Can you share generally speaking, like about the types of companies that Spermion invests in? It really varies. So a big part of the NFT space right now is what's called PFPs. Those are just like the profile pictures that people will use like on social media. So you probably, you see them on Twitter, like CryptoPunks and Bored Apes are the ones that mm -hmm. get that kind of mm -hmm. attention. Not to say that we're investing in those, but we are investing in those type of projects. A big area for us right now is blockchain gaming. I think that's kind of a big reason why Andrew wanted to work with me was my experience in the gaming industry. So I would actually say a majority of the capital right now is focusing in, in that space. Um, in both kind of the metaverse space and the blockchain gaming space, because Andrew believes, and I 100% I agree that the use case, the killer app that is really going to push the NFT space forward is going to come through video games. Okay. I think the challenge right now is the major publishers and, you know, the big time gamers, mainstream gamers absolutely hate NFTs. I understand why. I think a big part of it is they don't really understand what they are. And in their minds, they just think microtransactions. I'm very familiar with the gaming community and I know the line, like, I already spent 80 bucks on this game. Why are you going to make me spend more money? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, there's these 
blockchain gaming companies who are all about NFTs, but they don't have the budgets and the know-how how to build these kind of huge AAA games. So they understand the blockchain part of it. They understand how the NFTs work, but they have a long ways to go as far as building a game that people actually want to play. One of the more popular games in the space right now is Axie Infinity. It's kind of similar to Pokemon. And basically you have these characters that you can build up and each of the characters is an NFT. So there's this whole kind of economy around people getting these NFT characters and building them up and then reselling them. I think the gameplay itself is not all that impressive, especially if you're a big time gamer. You would see this huge spike with Axie Infinity and right now it's nosediving. And I think it just doesn't have that replayability, which is something that's huge in the video game industry that takes a long time to figure out and kind of fine tune. The blockchain gaming guys, the games are going to get better. And at a certain point, you know, the major publishers are going to actually figure out how to make NFTs work for them. I think it'll take a while for that to happen. But, you know, I think Sofermian is looking in that direction. And when that happens, that's really what's going to usher in mass adoption to, to a very wide audience for NFTs. What do you think about the Coca-Cola NFT? Any thoughts on that one? I think it's a sign of things to come. I mean, you see a lot of these big brands kind of going and doing stuff. I think Subway has a store in one of the virtual worlds. Mm -hmm. Again, I think it's kind of going back to it's just experimentation. There's just not a lot of people who are in these, specifically the blockchain focused ones. So like Decentraland and the Sandbox and Crypto Voxels. So People are buying up all these land. You see all these stories about how virtual land is getting super expensive. And a lot of those people who are buying the lands are these big brands. Nike's another one who's like getting into the space. And it's just experimentation at this point. And I think it's smart. Like, I think it's smart to kind of throw a lot of darts and see what works and what doesn't work. I think the technology still has a long ways to go. And as the technology improves, the things that these different brands can do will definitely evolve. And I also think there just needs to be more people in these worlds interacting before you really see something significant. It is interesting to see some of these brands as they're experimenting. Like you said, I know Nike, which you just mentioned, I mean, they sold an NFT sneaker for like $134,000, right? For this collectible sneaker. So you're seeing some interesting use cases in the consumer package, good or direct to consumer kind of uh, brands that are that are finding some interesting use cases for it. And I would tell you, you know, I worked with a lot of big brands with big budgets. A lot of them are doing it just so they can say that they're doing it. Right. They're doing it just so they can basically mm-hmm. put out the press release and get the article just to say that, hey, we're doing this. They'll take the one item that they sold for a lot and they'll they'll put it out there. Right. Again, it's it's really just kind of feeling around and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Because you don't really hear about the things that don't that don't work. That's the other side of it. There's all these other things that people are doing that don't get pressed. You just you just hear like you know the things that do work. Yeah, Deloitte 2022 Global Marketing Trends Report talks about elevating the hybrid experience as brands deliver new digital experiences that meet changing customer preferences. The next step is to enhance hybrid customer experiences, and the question is. 
with newer technologies like NFTs being integrated into the expanding digital world, how do you as a marketing and publicity professional continue to make a human connection? Mm -hmm. How does storytelling play a part in that? NFTs are very unique in that it actually revolves around communities. So it actually revolves around your ability to build this human connection. And I think that's what's also really makes them very special is that these communities are being built and they actually are being built around these kind of different storylines. I think a really good example is Bored Apes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bored Apes, but mm -hmm. definitely is, you know, the most popular PFP projects out there. So they kind of came out last year. No one really knew who they were. And then, you know, all these celebrities started buying them up. And then they added these different elements of utility. So if you own a board ape, you would get into this party, you get access to this. And then now they're actually building their own metaverse called the other side. So that's something that is a perfect example is they were able to build a community around their brand and then also provide utility to that community and then also continue to offer more experiences for that community. I mean, it definitely helps when, you know, you have Steph Curry and Jimmy Fallon and Snoop hyping <laughs> your products. Sure. But still, I think they're a very good example of kind of things to come and kind of the special things NFTs can do is like, it's not always all about money. I think a lot of people get into the space just to make money. Sure. And if you do that, there's a chance that you can make some money. There's a bigger chance that you're not going to make money. I don't own that many NFTs, but the ones I own are ones that I, I like because I would have them even if I didn't want to sell them. And I'm probably not going to sell them. So I think that that's kind of the next phase is people gaining utility from these NFTs and being able to attach yourself to a brand that becomes part of your self-identity. And that's all about community and human connection, for sure. That's good. I love that tie-in. That's great. Well, let's get into some fun questions if you're ready for the lightning round. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. So before we get into the lightning round, I want to give a quick shout out to our, our sponsor, Salesforce. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce. So Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. If you want to learn more, head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We've got Tyrone Miller in the virtual studio, head of media for Fermion investment firm. The first question, are you ready, Tyrone? Yes. Okay, what's your favorite drink? My favorite drink would definitely be whiskey. Bonus if it's Japanese. Oh, guys, good call. When are you most productive? I am most productive in the late afternoon. I'm definitely not a morning person at all. What's something new happening in your life right now? I'm trying to get into this whole VR thing. And actually this morning, I tried Supernatural for the first time just to see if it would be like a workout that I could do all the time. I'm not really sure if it is. I'm not fully sold on VR yet. And I think a big part of it is just I sweat a lot. And so I have these headphones okay. on and I'm sweating too much. Like, I mean, I guess it was kind of fun, but at the end of the day, I just don't think it's there yet, to tell you the truth. 
How do you start your day? Any like favorite morning rituals? The first thing I do every morning is read the news. And I think that that's just something that's just been ingrained into my ethos. Part of it's for work, but part of it's also just to figure out what's going on. And like, I read everything. Like I read sports. I would go on social media and see what like my friends are doing. So it also helps me kind of get going. And depending on kind of what's going on in the news kind of dictates my day for the rest of the day. So yeah, I'm just always learning. Okay. What advice would you give your younger self? Not burn any bridges. Hmm. It's a small world and just always think that, especially in the work world, you're going to see that person again. So keep that in mind because, you know, you never want to burn any bridges. That's good. That's definitely wisdom I would share with myself too. (laughs) If you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? I would say Hawaii, but I'm not sure if I want to live specifically in Hawaii, but definitely on an island somewhere near the water. Favorite app on your phone? It'd be between Spotify and TikTok. I like them for different reasons. Well, since you said Spotify, I got to ask, what's what you got playing right now? What's in rotation? What's in rotation in Tyrone Miller, Spotify? What I love about Spotify is so I'm, a, I'm a kind of a DJ in my other life. Oh, sweet. Okay. I'm all about music discovery. And like, I like everything as long as it's good. So what Spotify does really good is it figures out what you like and it sends you new music. So I'm all about new music and discovery. So... I only listen to new stuff through Spotify and that's what I use for music discovery. The stuff that's, you know, I play out and I listen on my own, I actually have on Apple, but I just, I purely use it for for music discovery. Nice, okay, cool. All right, last question. If you could do one thing that you've never done before this year, what would what would it be? Uh, I really wanna go to Portugal and I think, uh, I think I'm gonna make it happen. Yes. I'm hearing all the hype around it and I want to see what it's all about. And yes, maybe it's a place I can retire, but I'm sold. I want to check it out. I love it. Well, Tyrone, thank you so much for being on Marketing Trends. Uh, a very cool conversation. Very excited about the world that you're in. And thank you for making time to be here. Congratulations on all the success and being at a really cool fire hose of education and, and learning about this NFT space. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you. It was fun. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands. 
to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.